I want to turn to the book of Genesis, and we read in our scripture reading the very first verse in the book of Genesis. It's probably a verse that we do not need to uh, read because we probably have it memorized. But I want to invite you on a journey beginning today, a journey of discovery, because uh, we're going to be going through in the next uh, year or so, and it's our plan to go through the entire Bible uh, book by book. And so we're going to begin in the book of Genesis today. And uh, we're going to, as we go through it, I believe that it's going to be it's something I'm looking forward to because God has a message to us from every book in the Bible, doesn't he? And if God has a message for us in every book of the Bible, there are some books that sometimes we don't look at as much as other books. But all of them are important and significant for us. And I'd like you to, in, to invite you to, not just as we go along together, but if you have the opportunity to read in advance or to listen in advance. I know I'm trying to listen to these books as we go through them as I'm driving. I have a a program that I can listen to on my phone and listen to them and read through them and to try to get the big picture that God is sending us from these each of these books. The book of Genesis is a unique book. Because in many aspects, it doesn't contain a lot of what we would say theology, but it does. It's just that the message in the book of Genesis is contained in stories. How many of us like stories? I think probably every one of us likes stories, right? Stories are one of the greatest teaching techniques that we have. And God begins the Bible with a series of stories. Stories of what he is doing and how he is beginning in the work of salvation for man. But Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, which I believe is really, I like to try to identify a theme verse in a chapter or a theme verse in a book And I believe that Genesis 1 verse 1 is the theme verse for the entire book of Genesis. It's the beginning for the Bible, and there are 52 chapters that come after in the book of Genesis, but this really that clusters around this theme. And let's read it together again. It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now, this is fascinating for more than one reason. One reason that this is fascinating is that we talk many times, or sometimes at least, about the seal of God. And we talk about the seal of God being where? In his law. We see that in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 16. says, seal the law among his disciples. And so here we talk about the seal of God being in God's law, and we talk about it being the Sabbath commandment, because there are three elements in a seal. What are those three specific elements of the seal? You have to have the name, the title, and the territory. And those are the three elements that you find in a seal. And in the fourth commandment, we see God, and particularly in verse 11, uh, it says that, the, for in six days the Lord, the Lord thy God made the heavens, the earth, 
and all that in him is. We have the Lord your God. We have his title he made. And we have his territory that he, heaven and earth. Well, notice what we have here in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, who does it say? God. What did he do? Created. And what did he create? Heavens and earth. I believe that God placed his seal upon the very first verse of the Bible and said, this is my book. This is my message to you. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God. God has existed from how long? Eternity, right? Infinity, God has existed. And the only description that the Bible seems to be able to list to give is in the beginning, God. Takes us back before time began. God existed. You know, the Gospel of John begins in a similar way. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. In the beginning, God was there. Before time, before matter, before space, God existed. Now, if you understand that, you're probably doing better than just about everybody else. We can't fathom what it means for God to always be in existence, can we? But do you know that no matter what you believe, whether you believe in the biblical account that the, that the Bible gives of creation, or whether you believe in the scientific theory of evolution. It doesn't matter what you believe. You believe that something existed without a beginning. The evolution, evolution is, is I suppose evolution deals more with life. Uh, but the cosmology, the current theory is that matter existed. And there's no explanation for the beginning of matter. The Bible simply says, instead of matter existing through eternity, God was. Turn to Psalm chapter 90, verse 2. Psalm 90, verse 2. Another way that the psalmist describes it here, which I think is a accurate, obviously it's in the Bible, it's accurate, but it's a very potent, uh, dis, uh, helpful description as well. Psalm 90, verse 2. Actually, we'll read 1 and 2. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you 
are God. I like that. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. That makes sense, doesn't it? God is God from everlasting to everlasting. And Genesis begins, the account of man's origins begins. In the beginning, God. By the way, what are the questions that man struggles with the most? The questions that philosophers and scientists, doesn't matter who they are, the questions that man has grappled with the most is where did I come from? Why am I here? And what happens after? Where did I come from? Why am I here? And the most significant of those questions is the question of why am I here? What is the purpose for my life? And God begins his message to mankind in the book of Genesis by answering those questions for us. Back to Genesis chapter 1. Verse 1 specifically says, not just in the beginning was God, but in the beginning God created. In the beginning God created. God is the source. And we read in verse 25, let's read that, Genesis 1, 25, And God made the beast of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was, what does he say? Good. God made this world. God made everything in it. And the record records that God saw it and he was pleased with his creation. He says, it was good. If God is good, the only thing he could make is good as well, right? God did not need pre-existing matter. God supersedes all matter. But then we read in verse 31... After verse 25 is the description, so verse 26 and onward is the description of the creation of man. And verse 31 we read, Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was, what does he say? Very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. God made a good, perfect world. But God did not just make a good and a perfect world. Then he made mankind. And it says that when God saw man, he saw not just that they were, that it was good, but it was very good. Where did we come from? From the hand of God. 
We're not just a random collection of molecules. We came from the hand of God, and God saw that it was very good. What does that mean, if we came from the hand of God? Does it mean that we have a higher purpose to life? Your view of where we've come from has a great influence upon the rest of our lives. I don't remember which king this was. It was in Europe, and it wasn't centuries ago, but it was probably a century or two ago. And... Uh, the king and the queen were being overthrown. And as they were being overthrown, but the children were going free, and they didn't know what, were going, what was going to happen. And as this king and queen send their children off, not knowing if they'll ever see them again, the story goes that they pull aside their son and say, never forget that you are the child of a king. Why did he want them never to forget? Because it was to have an influence upon them for the rest of their lives, wasn't it? Never forget that you're a child of the king if we recognize that we came from the hand of God and we were special to God from the very beginning, should that influence the rest of our lives? Go to Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah 43, verse 7. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created, I want to notice the next phrase here. This is Isaiah 43, 7. Whom I have created for, what does he say? For my glory. And I have formed him. Yes, I have made him. God repeats, he reiterates in Isaiah, I have created you for my glory. What is our purpose? Our purpose in life is to reveal the glory of God. We have been created, we have been made for a purpose. It's not just to live life. It's not just to go through and to do the normal things that takes place in this world. God has created us that the world can see Him in us. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God created. God has a purpose for you. I believe that God has a unique 
and special purpose for you that no one else in the world can fulfill. God has allowed circumstances and various effects to shape our lives and he has a specific work for us to do. He has people for us to reach that no one else might be able to. God has a specific plan and purpose in your life. You were created for his glory in the beginning, God. He claims the first place in our lives because he is the beginning. Are we going to allow him to be the one who is the beginning of our lives? But you know, that's just Genesis chapter 1. And it's a, it's a, we need to go back to it. We need to remember it, that God is the one who began. That God is the one who has formed us for his reason, for a reason, for a purpose. He's called you. But the rest of the, of Genesis is about God being the God of beginnings as well, but it's a little bit different with a little bit different aspect of looking at it. Genesis chapter 1, there's nothing there. God creates this world. He creates everything in it. He places man in this world and he sees that it's very good. He creates us with a purpose, with a mission. He creates us for his glory. And we need to allow God to be the one who begins and the one who is first in our lives. But what happens in Genesis after God makes a perfect world with perfect people in it? Does it stay that way? The story of Genesis reveals a perfect plan that God has to reveal his glory. But as he reveal, has this perfect plan to reveal his glory and to use us in that, we discover in the book of Genesis that very early on, that plan is aborted, isn't it? Not because God changed anything, but because man joins in rebellion against him. And we come down to Genesis chapter 6. We're not going to look at every chapter in Genesis, don't worry. (laughs) We come down to Genesis chapter 6 and notice the account that we find here. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5. And the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Then verse 6, And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. What happens here? God's perfect plan is no longer being carried out. The perfect world that he has made is no longer perfect. 
the perfect people that he had formed with his hands. The the Bible records here that they're only thinking evil continually. God's plan is spoiled. So what does God do? He sends a what? He sends a flood. Now a flood can do one of two things. You could look at a flood as destructive. Or you could look at a flood as cleansing. Which way do you think God made that flood to be looked upon as? God had to cleanse the earth. He made it perfect in the beginning. But God needed to make a new beginning. The book of Genesis reveals that God is a God of beginnings and of new beginnings. And so God washes the earth. He cleanses the earth and starts again, so to speak. And then we find in Genesis chapter 11 that man begins to rebel against him again and he builds a tower and God says nothing's going to be withholden from them and so God confounds their language and then God does something again. Chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. God's plan was for man to reveal his glory. Man rebelled against him again by building the Tower of Babel And now we see in Genesis 12, 1 to 3, God calls Abram. Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God calls Abraham, Abram at this point, God calls Abram and says, I want to use you to be a blessing to the earth. What is he doing? He's wanting to use Abraham to show forth his glory. That was the reason man was created in the beginning, wasn't it? God is beginning again. And we find throughout the rest of the account of the book of Genesis, God's people make terrible mistakes. Grandson of Abraham, Jacob, What does he do? He deceives his father. He steals his brother's birthright. Was that a big mistake? He now has to flee. He never sees his mother again. 
and he feels like he's forfeited the promises that God gave to him. Go to Genesis chapter 28. Genesis chapter 28. Verse 15. Jacob has fled from the wrath of his brother Esau. He's going to a land that he's never been in his life. He has nothing with him. He's gone from being a privileged son of a influential and wealthy tribal chieftain to being a homeless, penniless fugitive. Wasn't God's plan. But notice what God says to him in verse 15. Genesis 28, 15. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. God promises this homeless, penniless fugitive I am with you. Was God willing to make a new beginning for Jacob? God is a God of beginnings and of new beginnings. Jacob comes back. He has his 12 sons. Is it a picture of family harmony? It's a very, very dysfunctional family. Jacob's sons take their brother, plan on killing him, end up selling him as a slave, which probably Joseph would have at that point in time preferred death to being sold as a slave. They go back to their father and they lie about it. And there's other episodes that take place in there. When his brothers come to Egypt and Joseph finally reveals himself to them. Genesis 45, Joseph says, you didn't send me here. God sent me here to preserve life. God gave them all a new beginning. And the book of Genesis ends with that new beginning that still isn't quite where it's supposed to be. But it ends with the idea of them looking forward to what God is still going to do as both Jacob and Joseph die and remind them 
of the promises of God. As I look at the big picture of the book of Genesis, God is the beginning. He is the first and the last. He is the Alpha and the Omega. We must recognize God as our Creator, the beginner in our lives. In the beginning was, in the beginning, God. But have we ever made mistakes in our lives? Have we diverted from the plan that God has for us? God is not just the God of beginnings. God is the God of new beginnings. Genesis does not end with just the idea of you have a God that made you and that's the end. Genesis reveals a God that is the one that created us, that formed us with His hands. He is the God from which we came. He is the God that calls us to give glory to Him. But not just that. He is the God that can begin a new beginning in our lives. And it doesn't matter where we are. It doesn't matter if we're Jacob that seems like we have made the mistakes that have ruined our lives or Joseph where somebody else made mistakes that ruined his life. God can take wherever we are and he can make a new beginning in our lives today. God is still at work. He is still the God of beginnings. He is still the God of new beginnings. We read about it in the New Testament and we talk about it as a new birth. Jesus talks about it as a new birth in John 3. What's a new birth? It's a new beginning, isn't it? Genesis reveals a new birth before Jesus spoke it 4,000 years later or whatever it was. Because God not only has a plan for us, but when we deviate from His plan, God has a plan to begin again if we will accept Him and surrender to Him as the first and last in our lives, as the God of the beginnings and new beginnings in our lives. It doesn't matter what we've done, where we've gone astray from God's plan. It doesn't matter how long we've been astray from God's plan. God still has a plan and He wants to begin anew today. I want to read in closing, not from Genesis, but from Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12. Verses 1 and 2. Particularly verse 2, I believe, summarizes the entirety of the book of Genesis. While Genesis 1-1 is that theme verse, in the beginning, God. This is also a succinct summary of the book of Genesis. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. 
Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. What does it say? The author, the beginner, and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. God is not just the one who has a perfect ideal plan for us. God is the one that can begin, the author, and He can finish with how many ever new beginnings need to take place in between. Adam and Eve, God had a plan. The plan was messed up. But God brought them back to his plan. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. The book of Genesis is full of stories of men and women that experience the beginning creative power of God in their lives. And God wants to have our church full of men and women that experience the creative power of God in their lives as well. He wants us to know Him individually as the God who is in the beginning and the God of new beginnings. Do you want to know Him as that God of new beginnings? (laughs) We can begin. We can have Him wash us new again beginning today. May we allow Him to be that God of new beginnings in our lives today.